Welcome to Rex Factor! This week, Kenneth the Second! With your hosts, Graham Duke and Ali Hood. Hello. Hello. And welcome to Rex Factor, reviewing all the kings and queens of Scots from Kenneth McAlpin to James the Sixth. Uh, I, I mean, Kenneth's back. We well, yes, we've got another Kenneth this week. Brilliant. The second, it's about time that we uh, restored. Yeah. Um, just today, this is the uh, first one we've done since I've been uh, come back from a two-week holiday in Scotland. And you look enough. You caught the sun, Graham. Caught the sun. My hair's gone red and curly. Yeah. Wowie! What a tan you've got. Ali's uh, going to be posting on Facebook. We've got a, uh, a Scottish mascot now that I brought back from Bannockburn. Yeah, people might remember the Henry VIII uh, mascot we had for the previous series. He's still this... there on the other side of the table. <laughs> They're facing off. Yeah. This is brilliant. Yes. But yeah, that'll that's to come. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are back. We are getting back on again. And as Ali said, it is Kenneth II. For my benefit, for Ali's benefit, for mm. every benefit, we'll have a little reminder as really? to what has gone before. Yes. As you said, our first monarch was another Kenneth. Yeah, he was the boss. He was. He got the Rex Factor, Kenneth McAlpin, or Kenneth I. Or K-Mac. Um, he created uh, this sort of ruling Alpine dynasty. So he comes to the fore in the 840s, 850s, and he brings together the peoples of the Picts and the Scots mm. and sort of makes them one country. Mm. And that sets us off on the journey to what becomes Scotland. He's our Alfred. He is. He's yeah. our Alfred the Great. Now, in Scotland, and this is the primary issue at the moment in these episodes, the succession wasn't patrilineal, so it didn't go from father to son. It went between brothers. I I mean, whoever... Do we know who came up with this? Was it Ken? No, I think that other um, systems in this period probably were similar. The idea is, um, which, to be fair, was quite handy when you've got Vikings come along and killing your king all the time. Oh, yeah. The idea is you always have an adult male who mm, is ready yeah. to lead the troops mm. in war mm. because the kings aren't going to last for very long what with getting killed off by Vikings Yeah, so you need someone there and it's also a way that you can kind of manage different claims because you know it's coming to you next so you get yeah. rid of some of those worries but now we've got it the, every time that's happened it's, they've got more and more distant until no longer have a family it's two distinct groups Team mm. Red, Team Blue well the problem is it was almost too successful so mm. initially they needed it because they were very short lived monarchs mm. and all the Vikings coming along but then they had a period of success and consequently the family line is now rather distant so mm. rather than it going between brothers it's not even cousins it's now pretty much third cousins yeah I mean I don't know my third cousins exactly wouldn't have a problem there <laughs> Um, so, after this period of strength, after all this going on, um, we had King Duff. Oh, yeah, D-B-H, D-U-B-H. Yep, and he was taken on by his third cousin, Cullen. Cullen is actually defeated by Duff, but Duff is then expelled from the kingdom. Oh, yeah. Cullen became king, yeah. but then got burnt in a house on fire by the Strathclyde Britons. He did, yeah. So, then we have Kenneth II. Mm. As ever, we don't know when he's born. Yeah, yeah. But uh, his father died in 954, so he would have needed to be of a certain age to challenge for the throne in 971, which mm-hmm. is when Cullen dies. Right. So we assume that he was probably late 940s, maybe okay. something like that. Um, so, the family tree. Yeah. 
So we've been talking about Team Red and Team Blue to try mm. and make it a bit easier. So they're all basically descended from Kenneth McAlpin's two sons. On the blue team, it comes down from Constantine the first. Yeah. And on the red team, it comes down from Hashtag Remember I. Hashtag Remember I. So we had Duff was Team Blue, Cullen was Team Red, Kenneth the second, we're back to Team Blue. Okay, so they're sort of still playing with this system. And this system, the... the uh, Family tree you can see on our WordPress site, and I'll yep. provide a link to that on Facebook. So Kenneth II is actually the brother of Duff. Right. And he's the son of Malcolm I. Okay. So just the one before, it's the same So we're still at the here. same generation that we've been at for the last couple of episodes. Mm-hmm. Now on the red side, we've had Cullen, yep. who died last time, and you'll see that in broken brackets, uh-huh. I've got the name Olaf. Hello, Olaf. So Olaf is Cullen's brother. Right. And he's still alive at this point. Olaf is still with us. Cullen is dead. Okay. Yeah. So we've got Kenneth II, but he's got the threat from Olaf. Right. So that's the dynastic squabble for this week. Can I do place bets now? Place your bet. Olaf sounds pretty hard. Sounds a bit Viking. He does sound Viking. Does it sound harder than Kenneth? It, I have to say it does. I'm sorry to all you Kenneths out there, but Olaf implies beard, and beard implies axe, axe implies death. Well, let's see what uh, Kenneth looks like according to the Heritage Playing oh, yes. Cards Limited okay. artist. I love this. I always forget this, and there's, he's put, a, <laughs> Chris put uh, uh, like a flag over it, so I can't really see what he looks like. But, big reveal, ta I was not expecting that. I was not expecting that. Um, wow. So we've got we've got here quite an old chap, mm-hmm. um, ruddy cheeked, yeah, um, with grey beard, looking off to stage right, yeah, or stage <laughs> left. Those confuse me. His right, anyway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and laughing. He Is does seem laughing? to be quite jolly, doesn't he? He He's... does. But beware mm. of the sword. He has his hand on his sword. Yeah. Um. Pair of trousers, lovely little skirted tunic, and of course the tartan robe. But a jolly fella overall. Hmm. So, uh, what are you thinking now? Are we thinking a a warry chap? Are we thinking a? Uh, I think a, the it's there's a level of nobility implied there. Hmm. But if he's up against someone called Olaf, it could be quite a sad end. I think we're talking uh, mm. sort of Coldplay music over the top when he dies. You know <laughs> yeah. that kind of thing. The crowd will be with him. Well, his epithet is An Fjongklach. Yeah, catchy. Which means the fratricide. Ah. Now, I'm going to put a spoiler right away. I'm yeah. not really sure why that's his <laughs> nickname, because oh. that's not going to happen. Oh. Now, we've referred in various episodes to the Chronicle of the Kings of Alba. Oh, Scotty Chronicle's no longer with us. Not Scott. Well, Scotty Chronicle is still around. Oh. Um, but So, the Chronicle of the Kings of Alba, a short written account of all the kings of the Scots, mm-hmm. starting with Kenneth McAlpin... And ending with Kenneth II. Why? Well, because it was written, presumably, in Kenneth II's reign. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. So this is the last time that we will have the Chronicle of the Kings of Alba to refer to. Okay. So if we remember for Ieth, where all we had was his reign has bequeathed nothing memorable to history. Yes. <laughs> if anyone else comes along like Ieth, we don't even have that source to tell us oh, that right. there's nothing memorable okay. to report on. Oh, that poor guy. Hashtag So for Kenneth II, because he was king at the time, it isn't actually a finished account. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But nevertheless, we're going to uh, quote it just because it's our last opportunity to. Lovely. So this is what it has to say about the work-in-progress reign mm. of Kenneth II. Mm. Kenneth, Malcolm's son, reigned 
years. Didn't know how many years. Obviously, they left that blank. Oh, no way. That's brilliant. (laughs) He immediately plundered Britain in part. Kenneth's foot soldiers were slain with very great slaughter in Moynvacorna. The Scots plundered England to Stenmore and to Cluim and to the lakes of Durham, and Kenneth walled the banks of the fords of Forthin. After a year, Kenneth went and plundered England and carried off the son of the King of the Saxons. It is he who consigned the great city of Brecon to the Lord. Uh, so, okay, a couple of things there. Yeah. Are we not at the point now where where the English and Scots are sort of getting on and mm. have a little buffer zone for to keep out the pesky Vikings? Yeah. So he's really upsetting the appetite here. Well, we'll come back to that. Okay. It's perhaps not quite what it sounds like mm. when we hear King of the Saxons. Okay. It's maybe right. not quite as right. grand as that. And Brecon. Um, so I think what he did there was set up a monastery, basically. And we're not talking Brecon beacons in South Wales? No, with C-H... Okay. Iron rather than that one. Um, so it's not a complete rain. Durvan probably means Derwent water, so he's coming oh, into yeah. sort of Strathclyde, Cumbria sort of area. Forthin probably crossing over the Forth. So the Saxon king mm. is actually probably an old prince of Benicia, which is the northern bit of Northumbria. The bit that was the Britons for ages? No, the bit that was the. Northumbrians who are sort of Angles and Saxons. Oh, right, okay. So they used to be an independent kingdom, but actually yeah. they've now got subsumed into England. That's right, but that same area. Yeah, so yeah. when he says a son of a king, he probably means somebody who used to be a royal family in the area and now maybe just like an earl or mm. a noble of some kind. Right, yeah. So that's why he's not quite upsetting the apple guy in England, because he's not going all the way down to yeah. London. And now being the king's son. Yeah, it's yeah. just somebody important up north. Right. So, back to Olaf. Yes. Olaf is important. Olaf is the rival. Duff was overthrown by Cullen. Cullen's overthrown by Britain. So we've got Duff's brother, Kenneth, against Cullen's brother, Olaf. And presumably there's a lot of bad blood given what happened before to the other brothers. We would assume. It seems like Olaf's duty here. Yeah, and Duff and Cullen both had short reigns, so we assume that this whole period is just this rather chaotic Mm. battle, always trying to position, always trying to get rid of your rivals. So Olaf was the last surviving son of Indulf. Yeah. Because Cullen, one of his other brothers, Yoki, was also killed. Oh, yeah. yeah. House burning. Now, the name suggests that perhaps Mother may have been of sort of Norse Viking Does, origin, yeah. possibly yeah. for why he's Olaf. Um, but there's a lot of uncertainty about what's actually happening at this early period in 971 after Cullen's death. Because logically, you might have assumed that if Cullen died with his brother Yoki, but Olaf wasn't there, then maybe Olaf is back ruling the kingdom while he's away perhaps yeah that would be a logical thing to do so therefore how is it Kenneth comes to be king rather than Olaf yes because if Cullen yeah if Cullen was king Mm. you wouldn't have given Ken the reins while he's away yeah okay and indeed Irish chroniclers actually state that Olaf is king in 971 right so we've got two people claiming to be king at the same time so probably we've got the country split between different regions. So Kenneth's got a stronghold in one bit. Yeah. Olaf's got a stronghold in the other. Perhaps because Cullen was killed in Strathclyde by the Britons, that might imply that Kenneth has got friends yeah, in that sort of area. Yeah. So when we have Kenneth doing those invasions south, capturing the prince from Northumbria, yeah, etc., yeah, yeah. Perhaps what he's doing there is trying to build up some support, build up his reputation. Ah, to go back and give Olaf. And then he can come back with a stronger position. 
And as you were asking, the Saxons and the Scots had had a pretty good relationship before, and they are going to prove to be quite important again. Okay. So we need a little bit of a recap for what we've been doing with the Saxons, because we haven't talked about that no. for a while. Yeah. We had these boy kings, yeah. which is where you had lots of, like the Scots really, short-lived monarchs, but it was more just because they were unlucky and unhealthy rather than lots of infighting. So we had Edmund I... He, he was, was the one that made that deal with Malcolm and gave him Strathclyde. Yep. He got killed by a thief. Yes, he did. Oh, yeah, poor yeah. bloke. Then we had his brother Edred. Oh, dear. Who had the dodgy stomach. Yes. Uh, then we had Edwig. Yep. Who's the one that had the menage a trois <laughs> and uh, didn't get on very well with the people at court. And didn't get on with... Well, various other people. He got replaced by yeah. Edgar the Peaceable. Yes, big favourite of people. Big favourite of people. It's still a matter of some contention that Ali yeah. did not provide him with the Rex factor. Um, but it's with Edgar in 959 that the kingdom kind of reasserts itself. Yeah. Um, he was notorious for his bedroom antics, Edgar. Yes. Kidnapping nuns. So, I'd, I hate to mention it, but does that, does that mean my favourite man? Well, let's, let's, let's just look oh, this. Oh, God. Um, he supports monastic reforms at home, iron rule, he's got his ships going all around, so Edgar... Yeah. His reign is very much seen as the golden age for Anglo-Saxon England. Yeah. This is when it's his absolute pinnacle. And our friend John of Forden, yeah. with his uh, colourful comments, has something to say about this, about why England and Edgar are doing so well. And no wonder, seeing that he did not depart from the admonitions of his most holy teacher, as well as governor, Dunstan. Oh, he's back. He's back. Oh, I'm going to leave it here. Oh, off. See ya. <laughs> you, can, you can do it on your own. But Ali, everybody loves Dunstan. Oh. The Archbishop of Mads. The Saxon Monk. Oh my god. Oh my god. Won't someone read me? Everybody the loves priest. Dunstan. Everybody. Dunstan. You've even got your Dunstan mug. I do have my that Dunstan That is at mug. a shocking level of effort just to, just to irritate you. That's, well, I mean, yeah, fabulous, but I mean, I'm, I'm slowly tuning out here. Why, why, why is he, <laughs> of all people, sticking his nose in up, up there, so to speak? <laughs> well... Uh, personal point for people who perhaps haven't listened to our Saxon episodes uh, Dunstan was a bit of a cult favourite with basically everybody apart from Ali he's awful <laughs> he's utterly awful well let's have a little recap on yeah. Dunstan shall we yeah. so he was brought up by Irish monks in Glastonbury mm. came to court at the end of Athelstan's reign he's around forever so in Scotland terms this is going back to Constantine the yeah. second um, he then gets accused of black magic, is thrown in a cesspool and becomes a monk. <laughs> um, he lives the life of a hermit at Glastonbury, was said to have been tempted by the devil, yeah. uh, but fought him off with his tongs. His personality. Which is why you put the shoe thingy on doors to stop oh, right. the devil coming in, because of yeah. Dunstan. So then he got taken back to court under Edmund I. Mm. Edmund's right people at court didn't like him, but he got kicked out. But then Edmund had an epiphany when he almost fell off a cliff chasing a stag, and he thought, if God spares me, I shall bring Dunstan back. 
Yeah. So Dunstan comes back and is in the centre of court for Edmund, centre of the court for Edred. He introduces all these Benedictine reforms in the church, oversees the sort of stuff in the state. He's got this vision of this church, of state, of royalty, all this sort of stuff going on. He's really the power yeah. of the kingdom throughout all these reigns. Lovely bloke. And one of the things he does is in 973, he devises a coronation ceremony for Edgar the Peaceable. He does, yeah. He he comes up with it all, doesn't he? Yeah, now despite the fact that Edgar's been king since 959, they have this big ceremony now. Some suggest it was because Dunstan took his crown away when he kidnapped a nun. Yeah. But others that it was maybe this big imperial moment. Mm. So what happens is they have a new coronation ceremony, which Dunstan devises, largely the basis even for today. So the whole Zadok the Priest words being in there, that's all from Dunstan. Right. So they have the ceremony at Bath. Um, and then at Chester, they do something rather special on the River Dee. Right. And we'll go to the Chronicle of Melrose for this. Lovely. Sometime afterwards, after sailing round northern Britain with a huge fleet, he, Edgar, landed at the city of Chester, and eight under-kings met him as he commanded them, and swore that they would stand by him as his vassals, both on land and on sea. With these one day he entered a boat, and placing them at the oars, he himself took the rudder's helm, and skilfully steered along the course of the River Dee, and sailed from the palace of the monastery of St. John the Baptist, the whole crowd of earls and nobles accompanying him in similar craft. After praying there, he returned to the palace with the same pomp, and as he entered it, he is related to have said to the nobles that then only could any of his successors boast that he was King of England when he obtained such honours, with so many kings submitting to him. Pretty powerful chap. Pretty powerful. So he's basically being rowed up the river by all these other kings yeah. from around Britain. Mm. Now, the significance of all of this is that one of these kings is Kenneth II of Scotland. Right. So we've got some from okay. Wales, we've got Malcolm of Cumbria mm. at Strathclyde, and we've got Kenneth II of Scotland. Yeah. Um, because they've got a deal... I thought, though, that was a deal of equals. And it turns out here, they're... Um... Ah, well, it's interesting the way that the Saxons paint this and the way that Scottish historians would thus interpret it. Right. Because after this ceremony, Kenneth and Edgar have negotiations. And we must also assume that Dunstan would have been privy to these discussions. Been, yeah. <laughs> um, so it's agreed that Edgar gave him Lothian, right. so I, the territory, the region right. Lothian. So, yeah, so sort of... Edinburgh, so below Edinburgh, mm. basically that's the area. Uh, which previously Scots have kind of already had under Indolf, but perhaps now Edgar is acknowledging it. Right. Mm. Um, but being all high and mighty, he's giving it. But, <laughs> yeah. um, and in return for that, Kenneth probably pledges his allegiance to Edgar in a way that previous Sax um, Scots have done for the Saxons. But so, but pledging allegiance as an ally or as a, a sort of uh, well, Edgar would say very much um, a subservient vassal. Yeah. I'm sure Kenneth would have said, you know, we're, we're mates, me and him. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're like this. <laughs> if it came to it, but you know, we're just mostly mates. Yeah. Mm. Um, but the significance of all of this, of course, Edgar gets to shore up his northern frontiers, which are quite new to him, mm. um, new to the Saxons, that Northumbria, etc., is part of the kingdom. So he's got an ally of the powerful people up there, so that's all taken care of. Mm. For Kenneth, not only does he get this territory given to him by Edgar, mm. but also there's quite a big thing as a remit in his battle against Olaf. He'd get Edgar's backing. Yeah, because Edgar is obviously here acknowledging Kenneth as the king of Scotland. Yeah, that, well, that's interesting. And we... giving him all that territory. Yeah. So why wasn't 
Olaf, if if it, if there's a choice of two, and it hasn't been clear which one's won yet, because mm. it's not the end of the episode, why does our man Edgar mm. back him? Well, presumably because of all the stuff Kenneth's been doing in the south of Scotland. So when he's making these raids into sort of north of old Northumbria, when he's been building these forts, doing all this sort of stuff, presumably he's increasing his presence. So it's not just for his supporters at home, but it's also... Just showing his power. For Edgar as well. So Edgar thinks, oh, this is obviously the guy. Right, okay. So he was invited down to grab an oar and go for mm. the jolly. Yeah. Um, and Olaf, presumably, somewhere else. Practicing not... in his own little boat. Yeah. Crying. <laughs> With nobody to row. Yeah. Right, okay, got it. And thus, we have a period of dominance mm. for Kenneth. So in 977, the Annals of Tiganach. Olaf, Indolf's son, King of Scotland was killed by Kenneth, Malcolm's son. That's abrupt. It is. It's it's to the point, isn't it? How? Um, We don't know. Classic. As ever. We don't know the finer details. But Kenneth, we assume, what we would infer, I guess, is that Boyd, with the support of Edgar, with this new territory, with the standing, etc., he is able to assert his dominance. He probably gets more support, more people who are wavering, maybe go to Kenneth's side. Do they have a battle? Does he just pay somebody to go and do the deed we don't know exactly but don't even know if there's a battle we don't even know if there's a battle but what we do know is that Olaf is killed Kenneth's rival is gone Kenneth is now pretty undisputed King of Scotland I suppose if Kenneth were killed then we'd find out more but if it's just you know it's yeah. alright you got rid of him don't worry he was not even significant enough to let you know how <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. exactly so this gives us a period of stability yeah, is that all of that Team Red knocked out then? Uh, it's not all of Team Red knocked out, oh. but it's all of Team Red of that generation. So obviously now, I think uh, Cullen has a son. Oh dear. So but, he's, but he's younger, so he's not going to be able to challenge immediately. Yeah. So Kenneth now has a period where he's just in charge and... Having a lovely time laughing like he's on exactly, the card. Exactly, hence yeah. how he's laughing on the card. Um, territory of Scotland now is probably as large as it's ever been, so it probably extends from the Tweed to the Pentland Firth. We've got Strathclyde um, as a pretty much a vassal state that had been given to them by the English. Yeah, yeah. We've got Lothian and all that sort of territory between the Tweed and Forth, which has also been acknowledged by mm. the English as mm. being Scottish now. So it's actually really pushing down towards the border of what we would now actually think of as yeah. where Scotland is. So he's got, he's nearly at, at, at Hadrian's Wall. He's getting there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, is that? So, yeah. No, he's not quite there, is he? Not quite there. No. Yeah. Um, the north, the Vikings probably still they're controlling the islands and the north coast and the west coast. They may be in a bit of mainland at the top, mm. but they probably would acknowledge Kenneth's superior. I suppose on the mainland, he would be more powerful than they would be. They're not in a position now to come along and wipe out the Scots. No, but there is still there is still that where now we we look very much to the continent as Europe Yeah. at the time there was still a big big link to yeah. Scandinavia and it would have been seen as a bridge of, yeah. of that lot exactly okay right now you've been despairing at the crazy succession of this alternating system well it's rubbish yeah well Kenneth thinks it's rubbish as well yeah. so he decides to do something about it okay. so to get rid of this instability the back and forth and all the craziness he wants to formalise the succession so that it now goes from the father to the son. Yeah. So it will stay within that immediate family. Makes sense. So even if it's an infant or something, that mm. will be the king. So he is actually looking forward to the future, thinking about legacy and things beyond the here and now. Everyone happy with that, presumably? 
the problem is not everyone is happy with that. Dunstan, don't tell me it's him. It's not Dunstan. I, I can reveal that Dunstan's involvement in this episode has now finished. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> this episode? Oh, goodness. <laughs> so, as you say, well, you, you asked about Team Red. Yeah. It's probably now useful to look at another family tree. Right. We need to look at the next generation because I'm going to really blow your mind. Yeah. We've got Team Purple. Team Purple? Right. So, we've got Kenneth II, who we will keep as Team Blue. Yeah. He has a son called Malcolm, and he wants Malcolm to succeed as king. Okay, confusing. He's got... He's, well, no, because his father was Malcolm. Yeah. Right. So, that's all good. Malcolm will be pleased with that. Easy. But the problem is that Cullen has a son called mm. Constantine, uh. who is now probably of a certain age where he wants to be fighting back. Mm. And this rule, this succession law from Kenneth, will permanently cut him out of the succession yeah he will now be considered not really eligible for the throne mm. so he's not going to want to just stand by and let this happen no neither is the son of kenneth ii's brother duff confusingly also called kenneth yes i see now you get, this does make sense if you um take a look at this family tree that we're going to post online um so yeah because duff's son ken hmm would have an equal claim as Constantine. Exactly, and if anything, um, Duff's son Kenneth might expect that it would be his turn next, because he's the son of the older brother. Or even Constantine should have the strongest claim yeah, if it goes to the other exactly. brother's line. Yeah, right. So we've got um, Kenneth, son of Duff, for the purple team, mm -hmm. Constantine, son of Cullen, for the reds, and Malcolm, son of this week's episode star, Kenneth II, for the team blue. So they're familiar names... Duff, Malcolm and Constantine, yeah. but this so is the next generation. They're the next generation, and obviously what Kenneth has done is he's incurred the wrath of Purple Kenneth and Red Constantine. Even though Purple Kenneth <laughs> is his, is, um, was nephew, on his side. And is his nephew. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Kenneth is making enemies as a result mm. of this. Um, and he's also making enemies elsewhere. There's a chap called uh, Kuntar, um, who's the ruler of Angus and the Merns. And Kenneth apparently strips him of his estate to endow that new monastery at Brecon that we mentioned earlier. Kenneth strips this... Kenneth II right. takes the land away. Um, and also apparently he had his grandson murdered. Oh, it sounds a lovely piece of work. You know, as you do, yeah. as you do. Um, so in 995, as a result of all of this, Kenneth II is assassinated. Oh, right. Uh, killed at Fetterkern in um, the nurse. Um... Um, <laughs> uh, not far from uh, Fatoresso, which is where his father was killed, so sort of Aberdeenshire, mm. basically. So we've had this territorial dispute in this area. It's long been fought over, so this is sort of Murray land, which we've mentioned before as being a bit rebellious. Um, he may have been plotted against by Constantine and Kenneth of Team Red and Team Purple. He's also upset this chap, Kuntar, and he's also upset Kuntar's daughter, who's a lady called Fenella. And thus, <laughs> Sounds like a 70s uh, sitcom character. Yeah, so her son, obviously, Kuntal's grandson, is one Kenneth has killed. So is there an implication here that Co this, the new Constantine, yeah. uh, son of, Cull um, what's his name, Cullen, yeah. and the new Kenneth, even though on different sides of this family tree, conspired to kill him? Well, we don't quite know. I, I don't, I'm not sure if they would have worked together, but yeah. probably, may, probably more likely Constantine than the Kenneth. Yeah, because Kenneth is presumably named after Kenneth. Yes. <laughs> oh, dear. So we have Constantine getting uh, into links with uh, this chap, Kuntar, and his daughter, Fenella. 
So according to the Annals of Ulster, Kenneth was murdered by deceit and by his subjects. Right. However, Walter Bauer in the Scottish Chronicon mm. has a rather more colourful oh, account okay, of what does. Come on, what's he got to say? So Fenella is the daughter of Cuntar, the Earl of Angus. Mm. Her son, her only son, is killed by Kenneth II for reasons unknown. Oh, he's not doing himself any favours, is he? So she's not very happy about that. We've got Constantine on Team Red. Who'll be cut out of the succession. Who's looking for a way to get rid of Kenneth. Mm. So apparently he eggs her on. Yeah. And this is what happens. Right. This cunning woman, eagerly desiring the death of the king, caused a certain trap never before seen to be set up in a secluded cottage. The trap had firing devices fitted on all sides of it, always at tension with separate strings for each, and equipped with very sharp darts, and in the centre of them was skilfully attached to the firing devices a statue standing in the form of a boy. If anyone touched the statue and moved it in any way whatsoever, the bowstrings of the firing devices would be promptly released on all sides, and he would instantly have been shot. That is incredible. But why was she so sure that Kenneth was going to wander through the woods and see a statue of a boy and see that, well, that needs touching? Well, it's not in the... (laughs) (laughs) It's in a secluded cottage. It was. In her secluded cottage, presumably. Don't worry, she's got a plan. She's got a plan, Ali. She's thought about this. She invites Kenneth to come and visit. There are just so many things that could have gone wrong with that. Sorry, someone would have said... (laughs) Just just, a statue. (laughs) Just... Just stab him. (laughs) So she claims to Kenneth that she will reveal her son's accomplices. Um, So presumably her son maybe has worked against or had a rebelled in some way against Kenneth II. So she said, oh, she'll tell you who's plotting against him. So just come on to the cottage and I'll tell you everything you need to know. So Kenneth obviously thinks, oh, this is fine. Yeah. Wonderful. This is working out lovely. I thought she'd be upset that I killed her son. Yeah, I killed her son, yeah. Um, So, in this way, the crafty woman, cunningly (laughs) misleading the king's mind, drew him, alas, overtrustful of her, (laughs) with her into the house, with every circumstance supporting her. After the king dismounted, she quickly guided him on his own, taking him by the hand into her house, where the trap was lurking, and, as if intending to reveal the traitor's secrets, just as she had promised, she shut the door behind him and showed him the statue, which was the level for the whole trap. It's just so weird. <laughs> it's, to be fair to Kenneth, maybe this also is a little bit of a honey trap. He maybe was expecting yeah, he thought something else, yeah. a little bit better. When the king inquired of her what the purpose of the statue was, the traitress smiled and replied, This statue, my lord and king, which you see, if anyone were to touch and set in motion the top of its head, amazing and amusing sport would arise from it. <laughs> but, but this music sport is presumably hundreds of arrows and balls of flame. But cunningly, she didn't mention that yeah, when the ignore, king asked. Ignore all these bows and arrows and all this contraption <laughs> coming off it. Just, just have a look at it. Isn't it nice? He, completely unaware of the hidden trickery, oh easily drew the bolts and handles of the crossbows. The darts were suddenly shot from all sides. He was transfixed and died without uttering another word. But uh, if, <laughs> if they're in a room alone together, yeah. and he, she said, go and touch the statue, stab him while he touches the statue, or why have the pulleys just have someone else behind the wall being the pulley and just shooting? It's just, it's, 
that's got to be nonsense. I mean, this is very. I mean, it's yeah, Doctor Evil sort of. You know. <laughs> yeah. Why don't we just go into my room? Get a gun, <laughs> shoot yeah. his brain yeah. out, he's dead. No, yeah. I've got a super elaborate plan. I assume it will all go according. Exactly. I've got this Heath Robinson thing. How old's the rope? Don't worry about that. <laughs> this is the same man who talked about the fishes. Yeah. yeah. Hastily, the traitor is left by the back door and for the time being hid in the cover of the woods. But shortly afterwards, she reached her fellow conspirators, we assume Team Red Constantine, mm. without being caught. The king's attendants for a long time awaited his return from the house, wondering why he was spending so much time inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Finally they stood before the gate and beat persistently on the door. When they heard no reply, they broke it down in a frenzy. Presently, when the king's death was discovered, a great hue and cry arose as they sought the wicked woman in all directions. But they ran about to no avail, because they could not find her anywhere. Not knowing what to do, they burned down the town <laughs> and reduced it to ashes. That is such a brilliant overreaction, amazing. But these people are clearly, I mean, morons. Because yes. they, the old back door trick, yes. amazing. So they're obviously just standing outside the front going, yep, we've got all colours. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll be fine, they'll be fine. Knock, no, no answer, <laughs> probably fine. Yeah. We also recall, of course, the story of Duff's death involved slack and just yeah, lazy really bodyguards. bodyguards. So maybe these are the same guys. And totally overzealous in a reaction. Like um, uh, William the First in yes, the coronation. coronation when they yeah, there was a fight. yeah, so let's just burn everything. Burn London. Oh, brilliant. So uh, that is Kenneth II and his uh, rather elaborate death. Telling me, that has to be. The most elaborate death <laughs> of any king in both series. Yes. Uh, so, that's Kenneth, that's his life and reign, but how is he going to get on when we come to review him? Battleiness! So, mm. on the good side for Kenneth and Battleiness, we have this conflict with Olaf from 971 to 977. Yeah. So, uncertainty implies some kind of wariness must be going on somewhere in Scotland. Yeah, or, or, I mean, or he could have just got it. Well, he's doing t- tactically. He's doing stuff. Yeah, that's true. So he's making these raids into Northumbria. He improves his standing. He's got these negotiations with Edgar, which gives him more territory and more standing again. Mm. Backing of the English, backing of the Scots, new territory at the south, the base of campaigns, and it's a few years after this that Olaf is killed. So we assume that that's kind of all part of the same process. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then he emerges unchallenged as king. Yeah, it's good. It's just I wish we knew how how he did it more. He did in the end. Yeah, the final bit. But we got some good tactics there, and he obviously yeah. knows what he's doing. He had a plan, and he executed it well. Again, good PR. We managed. He had his people talking to the right people exactly. in England. Yeah. Exactly. And we have these southern raids mm. into England. So the Chronicle of Kings of Alba said the Scots plundered England to Stainmore and to Cluim and to the lakes of Durban, which is Derwent, and Kenneth walled the banks of the fords of Forthen. After a year, Kenneth went and plundered England and carried off the son of the King of the Saxons. So this sort of inaugural raid, which was at the start of the reign, which is kind of a traditional thing that Scots would do when they become king, they just have a bit of a raid. Yeah, down show south. Boss, yeah. Exactly. Um, get some plunder and all that sort of stuff. But also, as he said, it helped with Edgar and helped with challenging Olaf. The son of the Saxons, we assume, is a sort of an, a son of an earl in yeah. Venetia. Um, but again, that's quite impressive that you're mm. coming back with Somebody yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. important. Yeah, pretty and good. Thus, he must have done pretty well because you assume that that guy would have had some 
So his own inept body. His own inept body um, so he has all this stuff going on. He's got all this new territory that we mentioned as well. So we've got the kingdom expanding, yeah, which is a tick yeah, very good badliness. We've also got him erecting um, forts, these walls, yeah, I on love the that. Fourth. So this is discouraging any counter raids, yeah. So he's actually putting down permanents, yeah, rather than just this chief who's running around fighting, running back. That again. is pretty good. Actually, isn't he's it? thinking yeah. about all of this. He's got uh, he's got plans. Now we do have a little bit of stuff to mention for the Vikings. Lovely. Adam of Bremen in 985. He's not a Viking. <laughs> He's a chronicler. Oh. In this period, um, Sven Forkbeard, the king of England, he was, brilliant. Was, he was cast out from Denmark. Oh, yeah. And Adam suggests that he sought refuge in England, was refused uh, by Edgar, so he was taken in by the king of the Scots. Right. This, so it's possible. It might mean someone else further well, north could be north of the islands. Could be Olaf. But yeah. we've also got potentially Kenneth um, sheltering... The pretty awesome Sven Forkbeard. Which will... Oh, they don't quite overlap, do they? Mm. Would have been good if they did, then they'd be yeah. really good allies. No. So, there's pretty good stuff going yeah, on there. I'd say. On the downside, mm. as you've been saying, it's a little bit murky how he actually does get rid of Olaf. Mm. Was there a big battle that they didn't bother to mention, or does he just go all a bit House of Cards on him and <laughs> yeah. undermine him in various that, ways? Yeah. We also have that question of the extent to which he is best buddies or under the foot of Edgar yeah that's a bit that isn't too great I mean we've, but we've given points to people in the past who've <clears> used <throat> um, more powerful neighbours as sort of political allies and yeah. they've had to be um, you know they've had to be vassals of them that's not necessarily a bad thing I suppose exactly and Edgar and England probably in their golden age for the Saxons at this point they're probably no more, never more powerful than they mm. are at this point so it's pretty good to they've got a huge fleet as well so. it's got a huge fleet so you know it's maybe a bit embarrassing having to row the king yeah. we'd also and I didn't come across this in the Scottish reading but I found it in my notes about Edgar um, story that Kenneth the second commented on how extraordinary it was that so many provinces would submit to one who was so slight because Edgar was apparently a short individual oh right I did not imagine that and um, he obviously had a bit of short man syndrome because Edgar led him into the wood which is always dangerous as we mm. refer to the Edgar the Peaceful episode gave him a sword and challenged him to a fight why? because he was upset because he called him short oh what, this man, oh, man Edgar challenges Kenneth II to a fight in the woods what did he say? Um, well, Edgar says, as we are alone, you shall have an opportunity of proving your strength. I will now make it appear which of us two ought deservedly to command the other. Nor shall you stir a foot till you try the matter with me, for it is disgraceful for a king to prate at a banquet and not to be prompt in action. Mm. So Edgar gets all huffy. Mm. Kenneth, either, depending on how you interpret it, goes, oh, my God, I'm sorry, sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry, sorry. Or he goes, all right, all right, calm down. Yeah. Are you joking? Yeah. Which do we think? Well, we've got the Scots stressing that all of this subjugation stuff is actually just a treaty and ceremony among equals, yeah. and it's just peace. And we've got the English saying, ha ha, those we're, rubbish Scots, we're so yeah. brilliant. <laughs> um, I don't know. I reckon Edgar didn't fancy getting killed by a bigger chap. Yeah, it would have been... I think Kenneth is obviously political enough to know that it was probably better not to <laughs> slaughter the king, of the king of England. And I reckon the king of England didn't really want to take the chance. No, he just he probably knew that he just had to yeah. shout a bit, make make him look strong, because 
the Scots king will back down, everyone else will know, and then yeah, it all seems out. Yeah. We did also have, um, which probably missed, right at the start of the Chronicle of Kings of Albert, it said, He immediately plundered, Blit- uh, plundered Britain in part. Kenneth's foot soldiers were slain with very great slaughter in Moyne Corner. So his very, very first military venture actually goes really rather badly. What, so his troops were slain? Yes, this is very early on. I don't quite, I don't know where that is, unfortunately, mm. in the corner. But his first, Ooh, dear. first battle does actually end in a great defeat. But yeah. obviously not bad enough that he doesn't get to capture a Saxon noble, make a treaty with the King of England and mm. kill his rival off. Yeah, broadly good. Broadly good. We don't have a great big battle to say... Yeah, he won this amazing battle and did all. He doesn't this. have that moment, does he? But he does take the throne. He does all this kind of strategy. He does do some raids. He builds some forts. Mm. Yeah, no, it's strong overall. Mm. It's strong. I mean, um, yeah, no big moment, uh, but he does secure it. Possibly not through direct um, warrior mm. battliness, but through the sort of more long-term battliness of building mm. forts and things. Um, I mean, it's solid, isn't it? Hmm. What have we got against him again? We've got his. Um, well, we've got the fact that well, we've got the fact that we don't really have a battle. We've got the yeah. fact that he looks a little compared to Edgar. He's rowing Edgar, and oh, I don't mind that. To a fight. I reckon he was smart enough to know which way the bread was buttered. But yeah, five. Mm. I'm, I'm going to give him a six. I'll put mm. that out there. That's impressive yeah. stuff. That's eleven for battliness. Scandal. straight out of the box we have that very blunt statement that Mm. um, Olaf was murdered by Kenneth brilliant murder one we don't know how he did exactly but he kills off his rival lovely so that's pretty good Um, it's possible that all of this stuff about you know the two rival kings and who's king different places different areas is actually all absolute nonsense Mm -hmm. and that we have a case of damnatio memoriae oh I hate it when that happens in other words um, Olaf was actually king mm. in 971. Kenneth was in exile, got some support, came along in 977, killed Olaf off, and said, "Yeah, I was king all along." And then the chronicles just back him up because he's yeah. king. Mm. Oh, I like that as well. So you got a bit of a sort of Stalin-esque yeah. sort of you know well, rubbing people out of history. Kind there of thing is going something. On. There's something like that. There's a whiff of something like that mm. going on, isn't there? have two kings and then just one and it's not really mentioned how he got how he died mm. and the irish were presumably a little bit more neutral thought yeah. olaf was king at the start yeah so. Ooh, that, they, it is it is more uh, there's more than a whiff graham i'd say it mm. was smelly and he also murders finella's husband uh, or son and rather, which son comes back yeah to of course he does Haunton. it's mostly murder based this <laughs> yes. one which isn't my favorite phrase. yeah as i say there are no naughty bed romantics no to speak of. but you know it is it is um, nourishing all the same. <laughs> yes. So, you've got two lots of certain murders, a bit of usurpation, probably. It's really quite chunky, isn't it? Mm. I will give that a hearty six. Oh, see, well, I'm going to go completely reverse of the battling score. I'm going to go with five. Oh, right, okay. So, that's another 11 Yummy. for Kenneth. Subjectivity. Well, John of Forden is a fan. Mm. Kenneth, the son of Malcolm and brother of King Duff, a brave and prudent man, the second of that name since the monarchy was established. He reigned in peace and happiness. Well, that's not true. Well, um, we do have the defeat of... Once Olaf is defeated, Kenneth seems to be largely unchallenged until the point at which he's challenged to quite a terminal end. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But it's actually quite a long reign, not to go into the uh, longevity too early on, mm. but it's, you know, it's actually quite a significant long period. period. Right. It's more than the previous couple of reigns combined. Oh, right. Okay, well After done. he's dealt with Olaf. So actually, once he does that, he does actually settle things. Well, that's good. And he's just there, and he's just ruling. And he's got that um, agreement with England, so there's no... Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. We've got that good relationship between him and Edgar. Apparently, Edgar granted him estates in England. Really? So that if Kenneth came down... On his jollies. For a jolly, then he got somewhere to stay when, yeah. they, had a, when they wanted to have their chats. It's like the reverse of you. <laughs> you go up there for your jollies. Yeah. Um, so this continues to success the previous reigns where they have all these um, conferences yeah. and stuff going on. We've got peaceful borders, which again, good for Scotland because they get a little bit more territory added on. But importantly, a nice little undercurrent of still some Viking murmurs. That's stuff. nice. So yeah, this is good alliance. Yeah, and we compare it to Athelstan and you know the Brunanburg days, where there's the massive yeah. wars and fighting going on. Yeah, yeah. And this well, is no, when the good, Saxons are at their peak, and he's got a good alliance going on. Now the succession is an interesting one. What his what Kenneth does about it because you've oh, been right. complaining about yeah. it for a while. This yes, silly system, quite right. And this alternating succession between brothers. Kenneth thinks this is ridiculous, and he hears that in the Holy Roman Emperor Otto the Great who was uh, around from 912 to 73, King of Germany, later Holy Roman Emperor, married Athelstan's sister, initially. This I remember this from the Athelstan mm. episode, yeah. He went against the practice of splitting lands between his sons, so he got the nobles to recognise his eldest son alone as heir. So this wasn't standard practice then? Wasn't standard practice. Right. Otto II, 955-83, succeeds without opposition. Following a major defeat at the Battle of Stilo in 983, he had his three-year-old son recognised as heir. Mm, tricky. And he, Otto II, died months later, leading to a regency. So this is establishing the idea that even this little infant mm. will be the next person, rather yeah. than like a 20-odd-year-old somewhere else. Now, the Holy Roman Emperors decided this wasn't a very good idea to go along with this, and they ended up having them being formally elected. So it wasn't yeah. just strictly primogeniture. Yeah. But Kenneth apparently hears about all of this and thinks, ah, that makes much more sense than what we're doing. Mm, all it this certainly nonsense. does. So um, he makes the change. Um, Walter Bauer, Scott of Cronican again. Kenneth wished to abolish the custom of succession observed by the ancient kings of his kingdom, who up to this time had reigned in complicated succession. He wished that after any king, his offspring of legitimate birth should be adorned with a diadem of the kingdom in preference to all others. He himself had a distinguished son, Malcolm, to whom he was absolutely determined that the kingdom should be assigned. So yeah, I mean it's all it's all there, but England was doing it that way, wasn't it? At this point, yes. Although, it's well, actually, you. no, they hadn't been doing that because actually, them as well. We'd had Edmund had a couple of children, but they were babies. So Edred, his brother, oh, came to him first. Yeah. So they were doing it as well. It's just the difference was in England that they were all dying so young that there was never a point at which it mattered because they really did need yeah. the only adult male and there was to take that, over. There was that sort of Saxon council who made that, those kind of the decisions. Wheatham, 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 yeah. Sort of, yeah. Yeah. So Kenneth is bringing a little bit more into line, getting this um, sense to it. Mm. And it's also quite like he's the first one we've really got that has actually this sense of the future and beyond just his own actions. Mm. He's not just in the moment fighting people. He's no, actually, he's had time. Yeah, he's planning. Mm. He's got ideas. So that's pretty good. It is very good. I mean, I hadn't really considered it in the broader context of a longer reign. Mm. That's very good. On the downside, um, the succession laws that he puts into place does uh, <laughs> motivate his enemies yeah. to kill him. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> Which he laid the seeds for his own 
And uh, that does then bring about um, more dynastic squabble, uh, squabbles. And without giving a spoiler, mm. too much of a spoiler, the next monarch we review is not going to be his son Malcolm. Oh, Graham. There are people on the edge of their seats <laughs> all around the world there. Not saying who it is, but I think it's important to consider, because we don't usually... Dunstan? <laughs> King Dunstan. <laughs> we don't usually blame the king for what happens after him. No. But in this case, if we're going to praise him for these succession laws, we probably need to acknowledge that in the immediate future, it doesn't actually happen. Yeah, we can't... Yeah, because really the succession laws come after him as well. Yeah, yeah. so it's a good idea, but it doesn't necessarily yeah. work straight off. Well, then, uh, if we are just doing it on his reign, hmm. it's a long reign, yeah. full of peace, yeah. and he's got time to uh, think about the future yeah. and um, secure the not only the country, which he's done, mm-hmm. but the future of the future peace, yeah. so there aren't these dynastic squabbles, yeah. fails, but we're not going to give him minus points for that. Mm. Buddies with Edgar. Buddies with Edgar. And the fact that he's got these estates in England assume, presumably means that actually he's got enough strength and stability that he can pop down to England and yeah, true. have a chin work. And the only thing then we've got against him is the fact that these plans kill him. Yes. Right. So he, in effect, by trying to st- stabilise the succession from here on in, he brings it all up again. But do we so maybe if he kept him? quiet and lived for another five years, maybe Malcolm would have succeeded him yeah. without actually... Yeah, yeah. And he could have gone with the business of slaughtering all the rest of the red yeah. team. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, uh, well, then we can't really give him minus points for that, so it's all good. Mm. Well, it's very good. Yeah, it's a good. seven. I was thinking a seven as well. Yeah. He's doing a good job. It's solid. Fourteen for subjectivity. Longevity. So he rules, uh, we're assuming that he's telling the truth on when he became king mm-hmm. in 971, until 995. Long time, longest time? Uh, well, so that's 24 years, which isn't as long as the um, 43 years oh. of Constantine II, uh, but it is the second longest reign we've had so far, mm. and if we uh, put that into the patheometer, that gives an unfortunately disappointing score of 8.32. Because of the huge ones that huge come. ones that mm. still to come. Dynasty! Not the program. He probably had, we think, three known surviving children. Interestingly, he married um, the daughter of one of the Ui Dunlang kings of Leinster. Where's that? Ireland. Oh. So he's an Irish bride. Right. So bringing back that, that yeah. link, coming back again. So he's got his eldest son, Malcolm, who's definitely his son. Yeah, yeah. We've got a younger brother, Boit Mac Kineda, mm. sometimes listed as the son of Kenneth, um, the future Kenneth, but probably an error. And a third son, a bit less certain, called Dungle. Great name. <laughs> but we're going to give him the benefit of the doubt. We're going to mm. give him three children, which gives him a score of 6.67, which means he has a total score of 50.99. Where's, where's that person? Well, that's actually the highest score that Is we've it really? had thus far. Way. Well done, mm. KMAT2, KM2000. Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily... Mean it doesn't that no. he has that certain something that lasting quality that great achievement that certain something that we call Rex Factor. I'm going to go straight in there and mm. say I am really tempted. I mean, there's definitely a very strong case to be made here against. Mm. We've got not a very Rexy death. 
Yeah. Which was office well, making. Well, I mean, in a way, it, it's... It awesome. is totally makes yeah. sense. If we go if for start quality, out, yeah. it's him, I'm imagining, <laughs> arms out, yeah. like a porcupine, covered in them, and flaming. Yeah. I mean, wow, what His dying finish. words being, I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> yeah, I should never have touched that child. Um, it is pretty good, actually, isn't it? Yeah. We want to promote... Not that. Yeah. <laughs> but we want to promote... Um, through... Uh, giving people the Rex Factor, the unknowns, want to give them a mm. them a pedestal, and perhaps this guy deserves it. Though the only other thing, so I'm removing my criticism about the death. Yeah. <laughs> so the only other thing is he has no none of those big battles. Yeah, so he doesn't have these big battles, these big victories. Mm. There, although we said we're not taking minus points, there is the fact that his big succession plan, if that's his big legacy, then it doesn't actually work yeah. in the short term. And I suppose that there's also that the murkiness and the scandal of whether... Oh, I love that, though. Well, it's, it's good to have a bit of murkiness, yeah. but that question of that's those early years, was he really king or was he just sort of opportunely come in, kick the guy out, Yeah. and then there's just no one old enough to challenge him? Well, so we... is he being amazing or is it just there's a, a lull He's taking before advantage. it all comes yeah. but screaming back again? Is there any examples that we've had before in the previous series, or this one, where... Um, Someone who has usurped the throne has won Rex Factor. Ooh, well, I mean, William the Conqueror, I suppose. There's no big conquest here, I suppose. Did he use the Yeah, they, uh, they're external, aren't they, rather than yeah, just somebody internal. within the country. I mean, so Henry the Fourth, we didn't give it to him. Henry the Seventh, we didn't give it to him. Well, I, I think we should have one. I mean, it's it's I a good reign. It's successful. We've got good battliness. We've got good scandal. We've got good subjectivity. It's not we've got a crazy death. It's not excellent anything, but mm. it's all there. Is that the problem though? Like, I mean, if you imagine at the end, if we had a playoffs, it would it'd he fail quickly. He'd fail probably quite. He'd fail very very quickly. But does he deserve to be hanging on to the edge of that mountain? I think he does. I really think he does. We've got the outrageous death. Yeah. And he is a good king, and we need to have we need to have some solid kings in there. And look at him, look at his happy face. So happy, and let's not forget how chaotic it's been. Previous reigns with Duff, with Cullen, yeah, and he's there for over twenty years. This is I'm forgetting the scandal. Yes, rather most of it. This yeah. is the win if we give it to him for the good guys mm. that he is providing. If we get all the murders, all the, <laughs> yeah, all the all the solid years yeah. of peace. Yeah, I I'm 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 converted. Go K Man too. I'm going to give it to Ken Second as well. Yes. He deserves it. Well done to Ken Second. You join your namesake, Kenneth McAlpin, and Constantine Second. We now have Brilliant. three Scots. Well done, that man. Well done. So, that is Kenneth Second. He does have the Rex Factor. Well done to Kenneth. Well done, Kay. Now, obviously, we would love to know what you think, whether you agree, does he deserve the Rex Factor? You can contact us on Twitter, at RexFactorPod. Um, on Facebook, you can like us and join in the conversations there. Post a message, let us know what you think. You can email us, rexactorpodcast at hotmail.com. And you can go onto wordpress.com, where as well as various blogs supporting the podcast, there are also a poll question, which would just be a simple yes, no, or maybe, does he deserve the Rex Factor? Mm, and you can okay. do that for all the other Scots and all the English monarchs we review yeah. as well. It's a running, it's a running um, questionnaire, this. Yeah, so we'll have a little look at the yeah. end and see what people think. Also, if you'd like to support the podcast, um, you could leave a review on iTunes. Oh, that would be very helpful. Or subscribe. It would be very, very lovely. It's a free podcast, so you don't have to pay us anything, but there is the means, if you would like to donate, um, um, you can go on to PayPal, 
to make uh, a one-off donation. Yes. And again, there's a link to this on rexfactor.wordpress.com. Thanks very much to everybody. We had quite a few in August. Um, Kimberly Griffiths, David Nolan, Matt Brady, Clyde Pine, Wendy Siegel, and loads of people beforehand that I haven't started mentioning before. But yeah. we're very grateful to very, all of you. We really are very, very grateful for that. And you Thanks. can also do crowdfunding. So again, on WordPress, if you click on the BR Patron mm. icon... Well, I don't like that, Graham. Well, I think we can do better. BR Patron, but... Yeah. Well, for you exclusive Rex fans <laughs> you are not our patrons you are the Privy Council exactly which I think is far more fitting if you would like to be the Privy Council which doesn't bring necessarily any particular power <laughs> um, then well. you can make a monthly um, pledge to the podcast yeah. um, which again hugely um, welcome so thank you very much to people who have um, done so far uh, Emily, Hannah Gacy Leslie Matuko Mark Craster Susan Jones and David Rushton and somebody we mentioned before is the first person as well. Thank you very, very much. Yes, we are you. in your debt, almost literally, but yes. not quite. But it does mean that we can improve our sound and uh, Mike Skinner will be Exactly. Yeah. Um, and a few messages from these people. Mm. Oh, right. Hannah Gazy, please do some more special episodes, maybe offer or some non-royals like William the Marshal. Because he's my oh, friend. yeah, he was brilliant. Um, so that's a very good idea. We yes. may well look We've into that, I'm sure, at some point, some special episodes. David Russian said, I had no idea how awesome Athelstan and Henry II were before hearing this podcast. Yeah, Athelstan, I think a lot of people were introduced to. Yeah, yeah. very well. And uh, Mark Craster mentioned, apparently he was inspired by listening to the podcast to write the first and only book about Harold Harefoot. Harold really? the First. Hmm. Harold? Not, Not 1066 Harold, one. No. The one before right, that. Okay. Viking one. Yeah, he needs a book. Everyone needs a little book. Exactly. Now, speaking of somebody that... Um, Everybody perhaps has something to say about. Not no, please don't say him again. Not not him. All right. But his mate. It's uh, fair to say that we get a lot of correspondence about I Edgar the Peaceable. And given that we've had Edgar in this episode, I thought maybe this would be a good time to recap recap some of these failure. messages. Uh, B Jones at Bit of Fun on Twitter. Listen to the early ones I'd skipped thinking they'd be dull. Boy was I wrong. <laughs> Edgar the Peaceable needs his own movie. Well, yeah, a lot of them do, certainly, yeah. Graham Smith at Graham 020. Just re-listened to Edgar the Peaceable episode. Remains a travesty. <laughs> Stephen at Bad Lord Byron. I actually went out and bought a biography on Edgar. The only one, I think. He was so robbed, I'm sorry to say. This guy rocks. He did do well. I mean, there's no denying it. Emily Jones at OC underscore Jones. Push Edward I down the mountain oh. and give the crown to Edgar. Oh, forget it. Emily, thank you very much for getting in touch. You know, we're no longer friends. Hashtag don't tell Ali. <laughs> and Bethany Packard on Facebook. I just heard Ali's offer of Henry II-style Canterbury penance to atone for the Edgar the Peaceable debacle. I don't remember that. It's one of our previous episodes, I think. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm thinking that maybe rowing a symbolic representative of Edgar the Peaceable up the River Dee as a sign of fealty might be more thematically appropriate. That is a brilliant idea. Punishment for fitting the crime, etc. <laughs> no. So if you uh, would like to send Ali some abuse and tell him why he's wrong, <laughs> <laughs> feel free at Facebook slash Rex Podcast. And of course, if you've got anything to say about our old friend Dunstan, Ali would oh, love to no, hear I, about I, it. I, yeah, Flood Facebook with Dunstan messages. Yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be wonderful. I mean, or send us a picture of what you think Dunson looks like. I don't know if you. Anyway, that is it for now. Next time, we will be reviewing somebody else. Presumably his son. I mean... Oh, not. It, yeah. Depending on what I said earlier. <laughs> uh, so, that's all for me. That's all for me, then. Cheerio. Bye.
The Archbishop of Madness. The Saxon monk who never dies. He fought the devil with his tongs. Though Ali cannot stand him. Everybody loves Dunstan. Everybody loves Dunstan.